Nick says, I got feedback that I'm a micromanager. What are the signs of micromanagement and what can I do about it? Thank you, Nick, for asking this. Micromanagement is really common. (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that thought, but let's just go there. Micromanagement is a common problem that a lot of us deal with. I know you've got some really good insights on this, Shane. And so I'm going to share mine first because I don't want to go after you and have them look not as good. (laughs) So there's strategy in my approach. What do you do if you are a micromanager or what are the signs of micromanagement? I've got a couple of thoughts. I think micromanagement is less of a behavioral trait and more of a cycle. So usually what I see when we have micromanagement is somewhere along the way, trust got broken. So maybe we had a manager had an expectation of an employee and they wanted them to do something. It might have been communicated. It may have been implied, but not communicated. The employee doesn't deliver on that expectation. And then what happens is that manager feels like they need to step in. So that cycle then starts where they need to start to control So they go into kind of control mode, they take over um, ownership for stuff that should sit with that particular employee. And then what happens is that employee's confidence goes down. So then the mistakes and errors increase. So you can see the vicious cycle. The mistakes and errors increase because of the controlling behavior and because you feel like someone's watching over your shoulder all the time. It's like, you know, if someone's watching you type on your computer, if you've ever had someone watch you write um, an email... And then all of a sudden you start making a bazillion typos because you're like, stop watching me. Like, this is so awkward. Now I'm like, I don't know how to type anymore. (laughs) Because So it's that thing of like when you feel like you're being monitored, your confidence drops, you start making errors, which reinforces that manager's need to micromanage. And so the cycle continues. And this is what happens, I think, in the micromanagement space. And we need to find out a way of breaking the cycle. And as a leader, that's on you. You need to, to work out how do I move from command and control to coach and guide? And that's a difficult shift to make because it requires a lot of discipline. It requires you to set very clear expectations and then get out of the way of your team member, like not step in and step on people's toes. And because that's really difficult, I'm going to throw to you, Shane. <laughs> Can you tell us? how people can stop micromanaging. (laughs) Oh gosh, what a big question. And this is coming from a recovering micromanager. (laughs) I I got really bad at it for a period of time and I still feel like I'm getting, I I have to, I feel like I have to intentionally get get out of this Did you get bad at micromanagement? I got bad. I got bad. Can I just clarify though? Did you get bad at it or good at it? (laughs) Well, maybe I got really good at micromanaging. (laughs) (laughs) I was a master at micromanagement, unfortunately. Because here's here's the thing, right? This is what I told myself. And and if you're listening, let me test some of these beliefs. Um, I told myself this work is just too important to let go of completely. Like it's just too important. I I need to be in the detail of this. I told myself, well, I just need people to keep me updated with what they're working on. Um, I told myself, well, I just want to run my eyes over their work before it goes out so that I, you know, just make sure there's no no mistakes. And I told myself, I just want them to, you know, CC me on emails just so I can stay on top of everything. And what I didn't realize that in the process of having those beliefs, what I told my team was, I don't trust you to do the work. I don't trust that you're doing enough work. I don't trust the quality of your work. 
I don't trust you to stay on top of your work. I didn't realise that the things that I was showing up as that were very well-intentioned were not coming across that way to my team. And so I think the tension around micromanagement is this tension of how do I feel like I'm in control, which is ultimately what we want to feel like when we're in leadership, without becoming controlling. And there's a very fine line between those two kind of worlds, which is how do I feel like I'm in control but without you know, coming across as controlling with my team, which is, which is tough to do. Um, so there's a few things that come to mind for me when it comes to, to micromanagement. Um, the first one is as a leader, you have to learn to feel like you're across everything but not in everything. And there's a, there's a big difference between those two is especially the more senior you get in leadership, you cannot be in the detail of everything. Um, and for a lot of people, they feel more in control when they're in the details and you have to let go of that desire to be in the detail of everything. That's why you have really clever people working for you. So, I mean, from your perspective, Shell, like what are the things that help you feel like you're across something that give you the confidence that you need to, you know, that you have everything that you need to know without getting sucked into the detail? Like what are the big things that come to mind for you? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I really like using objectives and key results as a leader and I've used that consistently for years with people that I've managed and that has really helped me and I've done that on a quarterly basis. So at the beginning of each quarter, the whole team will collectively design all of their objectives and key results. So each person might have three that they're focusing on and they're like, this is the big objective, here's the key things that I'm going after. And as a manager, I know, yep, those things all align. And then things that sit outside of that that come up, those urgent things, we then look at those and reevaluate them against what we all agreed was our strategic kind of focus areas for that particular quarter. So we're very clear on this is what we're focusing on and this isn't. Now, the other thing that I have, and this is getting super like kind of tactical, but like the way that we structure weekly meetings and one-on-ones is all based around those things. So checking in on objectives and key results in week in our weekly meetings and one-on-ones and then looking at, okay, well, as urgent things arise, we're going to have to make some changes as we go. But if for me, what I see with a lot of leaders that I work with is they haven't really got into the rhythm of that and it's quite a discipline. Like to get really clear on this quarter, these are our core focus areas. I think the reason we struggle with it is because we have to say no to stuff. Like we have to go, you know what, we're not doing those things. They, we don't have time for that. And I think that's an area that we, a lot of leaders find difficult because maybe we underestimate what we can achieve sometimes or we overestimate the amount of time we have available. Mm. So that's been a really big part because I have some like control freak tendencies. 
Yeah. And that's that's the shift that we talk about where you move from being output focused to outcome focused. So output looks at the amount of work or the type of work that gets done. The outcome looks at what the goals were, the KPIs were, the objectives were, and were they able to deliver on that? And so if you're going to be a micromanager, you're going to get pulled down into outputs. And so you're going to look at, hey, when did my team show up? When did they leave? When did they take a lunch break? How did they do the work? And that is the worst place to be in as a leader. No one wants you managing their outputs. Whereas an outcome-based manager is looking at, did they achieve the objectives? Did they arrive at the correct answer? Um, And so once you've shifted from output to outcomes, it allows you to move from um, preference to performance. So if, if you think about this, what's the outcome? Okay, so let's say the outcome is five. That's what you need to get to. The answer is five. So you go, how do you get there? Well, one plus four. How else? Three plus two, you know, six minus one, 21 divided by five, five times one. All of these expressions are just as valid to get to the answer of five. And so if you're going to focus on performance, performance asks the question, did they deliver on the outcome? Whereas preference asks, did they do it my way? And you could look at your team members and go, well, I want you to do it my way. And it's like, my way is is four plus one. And, and your team are going, well, I don't understand why I can't just do 25 divided by five. And you're like, well, because I want you to do it my way. And that's that's where kind of micromanaging creeps in. I reckon the magic in work is not in the in the what, it's in the how. The magic is in the learning of the how did you arrive there? What was the expression? What did you do to, to make your way there? Um, and so for people, I think as leaders especially, we've got to spend less time worrying about how people get work done and recognize that our job is to define what, which is what's the outcome we need to achieve. Why? Why do they need to achieve that? What is it? How does that fit within the bigger picture of what we're working towards? And when do they need to deliver on that outcome? So less how, more what, why, and when. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 